Colossians chapter number 3. If you're willing and able, stand as we honor the reverence uh, reverence in God's Word this morning. I just want to read one verse because I'm jumping in a paragraph here, but verse 16 of Colossians chapter 3 is my text. I just want to share my heart with you this morning from this passage of Scripture. Colossians chapter 3 verse 16, Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for the privilege and the opportunity to be here today with my brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you, Lord, for the Sunday school hour we had. Thank you for the sweet fellowship we've had. Thank you, Lord, for Free Will Baptist. Thank you for the State Association of Free Will Baptist. Lord, I'm so glad that what I can't do individually, I can join together with brothers and sisters of like faith and do globally what I could not do otherwise. Lord, because of our, our um, uh, 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 congregational government, our autonomy, our, our willingness to come together as as bodies of believers, we can, we can have a global impact um, uh, rather than just, just being isolated in, in, in individual places. Lord, I, I rejoice today in what's being done in the kingdom. And fathers, we put our feet under the table of God's word for a few minutes this morning. I pray that you speak to our hearts. We'll be careful to give you all the praise and all the glory. In Christ's name I pray, amen. Thank you, you may be seated. The word of Christ. This is, a, this is an interesting passage of Scripture, to say the least. Uh, now, I don't believe chapter and verse numbers were inspired. They were added afterwards to give clarity and, and give help in Bible reading and Bible study. But I'm thankful for John 3.16. Uh, I've looked at some of the 3.16s in the Bible, and, and this is one of them. This is a remarkable 3.16. Colossians 3.16. So in this passage of Scripture, when you go back to the first verse of this chapter, Paul says, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. And goes on talking about because the believer is risen with Christ, he is to put off the old man and he is to put on the new man. I'll not take the time to read a lot of verses this morning, but sometimes in your personal uh, time, I'd I'd invite you to read chapter 3 in its entirety. And so because the believer is risen with Christ, by the way, every Sunday is Easter Sunday for the believer. Every Sunday is Resurrection Sunday. That's why this table down here is here to remind us that Jesus is alive, that, that He is our hope. He is our confidence. He is our, our certainty. And because He lives, we can face tomorrow. And because the believer is risen with Christ, Paul then in chapter, I mean in verse 5, says that we're to put off the old man and we're to put on the new man. Now notice the word in verse 5, mortify. It's a Greek word where we get our English word mortician from. What does a mortician do? A mort- we don't hear that word a lot these days, but he's the undertaker. 
I'm glad I've got the upper taker too. Amen. <laughs> Amen. One going to put me down and one going to take me up. <laughs> and, um, and so that word there means to put to death, uh, to mortify our members. And so, so this whole idea that Paul is writing about is, is to put to death, to put off the old man and put on the new man. And, and in verses 18 through 25, Paul says that this will have a, an impact, if you will, on our relationships. I wrote it down this way. Putting off the old man and putting on the new man will result in holiness in all of our relationships. Now come up close and listen. Let me, I want to tell you what holiness is. Holiness is a lifestyle. It's how you live. We're to be holy because God is holy. And, uh, and I'm glad for emotion, and I'm thankful we can have emotion in our services and, and fellowship together, and, and the Spirit is expressed uh, throughout our emotions. But let me tell you something. Holiness is also being a good husband. Holiness is also being a good wife. Holiness is children being obedient to their... Brother Jimmy said amen just a little too uh, enthusiastically there. Miss Teresa looking at him. <laughs> see, when you're preaching, you see everybody and everything. Say amen, right? <laughs> but holiness is being a good employee. You see, we have this idea that holiness is a, a denomination or a... a but it, anyway, so, so it, 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 because we've mortified the, the members uh, of our flesh, because we've put to death the flesh and because we've changed clothes and because we've, we've taken off the old flesh and we put on the new man, Paul says we're to be holy in our relationships. Now that's the chapter in a nutshell. In verses 12 through 17, Paul is encouraging us to put on the virtues of Christ. And, but I want to put the scope on verse 16 for just a few minutes together this morning and, and share some things the Lord's laid on my heart about the Word of Christ. The Word of Christ refers to the revelation He brought into the world, which is the totality of of Scripture. Now, when you come to the word word in the original language, there is at least at least two different words in my mind this morning. There is the Rhema, where Paul mentions in Ephesians chapter six, sword of the spirit. Uh, that 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 would be like smaller sections, uh, uh, verses of scripture, individual verses of scripture, if we sort of daily bread scripture. We think about the sword. We think about the big sword, the the whole thing, if you will. That's the word here. It's the word logos, and the word logos is is used in John one one. In the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was with God. And so the word here, Lagos, is the word of Christ that Paul is writing about. But I got real intrigued with this word dwell. And this word let. And uh, 
I was a little, now, now I'm not a Greek scholar, so, so don't be impressed with what I'm about to say. I am not a Greek scholar. But I do know that the, that the New Testament originally was written in the Greek language, okay? I do know that. I, I was thinking that the word let in verse 16 would be, it's even different than in verse 15, but it's really the same Greek word as dwell. I can't pronounce it, but it's the same Greek word. Just trust me on that. And, and I want to find a Greek scholar to ask him how this would really read in the Greek text. But in my mind, as I'm thinking about the Greek word let and dwell as the same Greek word, it would read dwell, word of Christ, dwell. There's an emphasis on dwell in this passage of Scripture. And so let and dwell is the same Greek word, and here's what it means. It means to live in. I would ask people today, if I were to ask uh, Brother Jimmy about his residence, where he lives, what would I ask him? I'd say, hey, bro, where you live at? <laughs> Where where you stay at, you know? <laughs> uh, no, where where do you live? When I was growing up, we had a residence on Oak Street. But my daddy was bivocational as a pastor during my growing up years, and he had a business, an insurance business, and so we got all of our mail at the post office box. So we had a post office box. That's not where I lived. I didn't live in that little four-by-four four box. I lived on Oak Street. That's the Greek word here. As a matter of fact, in Ephesians chapter number 5 and verse 18, where Paul says, And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Paul tells us to be filled with the Spirit, but he really doesn't explain what it means to be filled with the Spirit until we get to Colossians. And by the way, this is interesting here. I'm not going to have time to deal with the last part of the verse. But if you lay Ephesians 5, 18 and 19 and Colossians 3, 16 side by side, parallel, they're basically word for word, especially the last half of the verse. So I'm excited to tell you this. Come up close and listen. This is what it means to be filled with the Spirit of God. To let the Word of Christ... Live in your heart. That's what it means to be filled with the Spirit of God. It doesn't mean to speak in an unknown tongue. <laughs> it doesn't mean uh, that you can lay your hand on somebody and they fall over, you know. Uh, by the way, wonder where all the faith healers are today. Anyway, I won't chase that rabbit. So to live, Paul says, let the Word of Christ be at home. And so, so Paul calls upon believers to let the Word of Christ take up residence and be at home in your lives. Now I'm going to give you this, I'm going to hit it, and I'm going to, I'm going to get back to my notes here. So when you're living your life and you're asked questions, you ask your opinion, you got something to say, you know what ought to come out of your mouth? The Word of Christ. 
You know what's bothering me in this world in which we live? Uh, for a lot of people, when they open their mouth, Fox News is coming out. ESPN News is coming out. I said this the other day, almost got myself in hot water. For some people, they're just regurgitating Fox News. They wouldn't know what to do in Washington if their life depended on it. They're just regurgitating what they've heard some news anchors say on Fox News. But listen, what ought to come out of our mouth? It is the Word of Christ that is dwelling in our hearts, that is filling us because we are reading the Word, we are studying the Word. And that's what the next word says. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you how? Richly. Richly. Oh, I love this word too. The the Greek word richly could be translated abundantly, extravagantly rich. And I wrote this down. The truths of Scripture should permeate every aspect of the believer's life and govern every thought, word, or deed. And And then notice he said in all Brother Jimmy, I'm finding out more and more these days that I live my life, I need wisdom. And I believe I'm in good company. Isn't that what Solomon said he needed? Of all the things he could ask for, he asked for wisdom. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, but I do want to mention that teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts, to the Lord. Now let me give you three or four things and I'll be done. Let the word of Christ commend you. Let the word of Christ commend you. In the seven letters to the church of Asia Minor in Revelation, following the salutation, the Lord spoke words of commendation to at least six of the seven churches. Before he rebuked them, he commended them. These words were first spoken, I wrote this down, indicating that our Lord is positive and affirmative. Listen, this world is getting a bunch of fake news. They're getting a bunch of sad news. This world needs the good news. Let the word of Christ commend you. It'll commend you. You need encouraging, exhorting one another. Open the word of God in speaking to yourselves in Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Number two, let the word of Christ correct you. Come up close and listen. I've been saved since I was seven. I've been preaching for 34 years. I still need to be corrected by the word. I still need its correction. Christ is eager to correct us, not condemn us. I love Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. But there, there, there comes times in our lives where the old Adam rises up in me, the flesh wants to take over. And I need to, do, I need to run to the Logos, the Word of Christ that is dwelling in my heart. And I need correction. I need commending. I also need commission. Let the word of Christ commission you. As we read the Bible, we should look for words of command. 
For there are things God wants to accomplish through us that He has given us. Listen, 1 John 5, 3 says, For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments. Now, I don't have bumper stickers on my vehicles. One reason I don't is because sometimes I speed. And I don't want nobody behind me running a traffic light with a honk if you love Jesus bumper sticker on there. <laughs> the world's got enough ammunition at Christians already. I'm not going to give them any more. So I, I need some, some cover, some protection. So I just don't do bumper stickers. But let me tell you something. The best way to show Jesus you love him is not honking a horn to start with. The best way to show Jesus you love him is doing what he says to do. Now, church, I'm fixing to say something that's going to be a little harsh sounding. But we're very good at condemning the world. And it ought to start with the church house. Because a lot of times I don't even do what this book says do. <laughs> Pretty quiet in here right now. <laughs> that's why we have this book. God's told us what to do. Commission us. We need to let it commend us. We need to let the Word of Christ correct us. We need to let the Word of God commission you. And then lastly, we need to let the Word of God cheer us. Oh, listen, discouragement is one of Satan's chief methods for bringing about personal defeat. We stand in need of cheerleader at times to encourage us as we face the obstacles to living a victorious Christian life. I love Jeremiah 15, 16. These words were found and I did eat them. And thy word was unto me the joy and the rejoicing of my heart. Let me tell you something. There's comfort in this book. I'll close with a little story. About, about my family, Luke and Amanda, and the trials that they went through with Landon. I asked Luke the other day, my son-in-law, he's pastor. I said, Luke, how did you and Amanda, Amanda's my daughter, I said, how did, how did y'all make it through Landon's sickness and Landon's death? Landon went into the hospital back in May of 2017 to start chemotherapy. Boy, that was tough on his body. So back in 2017, Landon died in September. Here's what Luke said to me. He said, Dad called me Dad. He said, me and Amanda made a covenant. He said, we promised the Lord that we would not get behind in our daily devotions. You know what? What was their strength and their joy and their comfort and their cheer during some of the hardest days of their life was the Word of God. The Word of God. There, there were times that I would walk in Levine Children's Hospital in Charlotte and, and, and I would see Luke on the, on the couch. He's reading his Bible. And, and he'll tell you there were days he didn't want to. As a matter of fact, one night when they got back from the hospital, I think this was when, he, I think he might tell about that in this track, but when Landon was diagnosed, Chapel Hill, when he was just five or six months old, Luke said he got back to the house that night numb, didn't know what primordial dwarfism was, you know, 
and said he didn't want to read the Bible. <laughs> he said, but he opened the Bible to where he left off the night before, and it was in Isaiah where God promised, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Now, friend, I want to tell you something. If you will let the Word of Christ live in you richly in all wisdom, admonishing and teaching one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace and melody in your hearts to the Lord. Pardon my English, but there ain't nothing you can face without this truth in your heart.